It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. And welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thank you so much for being with us for the next hour. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion Jeff Eagles. And our phone number, if you'd like to give us a call, is 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You could also go to Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. If you're too bashful to dial up the phone, you could always find this program and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com podcast so jeff uh, hello paul we we've got ourselves a very interesting week as the street free agents continue to float about and decide where they might want to or might not want to land we do know the schedule is coming out on thursday that'll be exciting and we know that the rookie minicamp for the giants is going to be held friday saturday and sunday that'll also be exciting so (laughs) it's just another step closer to opening day yeah i i i think that yeah, that's an opening day is a long ways away. I, I think, you know, the schedule to me is really exciting because I think then we can kind of get an idea. And I know for fans, they look at that schedule and they start planning their tailgates and their travels and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And for you and I, we get to start figuring out what days we're going to be uh, at home, on the road. Of course, everything's up in the air with this new uh, regime and how things are going to work. But, you know, and then you go to the, like you said, the Mickey mini camp this weekend. So I think that's going to be an exciting time for these guys. We touched a little bit, uh, Lance and I did on Friday about how exciting it is for some of these guys to get signed to that working mini camp. And as you know, Paul, there's a lot of guys locally that'll be on coming in for that. And I think that's a lot of fun for them, you know, can kind of check the box in their career as far as like goals on making or at least, you know, getting to an NFL football team. And this is one chance these guys can go out and make an impression because somebody, somebody, you think one or two guys, three guys, whatever, are going to be invited to come to training camp off of this uh, mini camp this weekend. Well, it usually happens. For a lot of guys, Jeff, and they always tell you that only 2% of NCAA athletes get to play pro ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the number they often quote. So for a lot of guys – Getting to a rookie minicamp may be the only time right. they actually get to step on a pro field and wear a pro uniform. Yeah, you get a picture, you know, you get a picture with uh, Kayvon, all those guys. <laughs> it, no, it's a big deal. It I is. Mean, it's it's easy, exciting. It's easy for people to snuff it off, and I know a lot of fans out there are like, well, you know, who are a lot of these guys? You know, we're not going to see uh, most of these guys ever again, blah, blah, blah. I, I get all of that, but for every single one of those guys – who gets invited into the building and gets to dress for one of those practices, it might very well be the highlight of their football careers. Sure, sure. And again, the, the, the odds are stacked against each one of those guys. But hey, listen, I, I think that uh, you know it's a lot of fun for these guys. You know, they get in there and they can tell their friends, hey, by the way, you know, this weekend I'm not available. Oh, what are you doing? Well, you know. Trying out for the Giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I'll be wow, a little bit what? busy. <laughs> yeah. 201-939-4513. We're going to make this show all about you callers today because yep. we've done so much on the draft. 
We've done so much on the offensive line and specific positions. This is going to be an open forum. I want to get in as many calls as I can, and we're going to make them as quick as I can. All right? Yeah. None of these 10-minute phone calls. Yeah, bring we're us gonna, some substance. We want, we want to try to uh, – there's a lot of voices out there who have not had a chance to be heard on this program, either because regulars called in or when, when we did a show, we had too many experts on or we had guys who were, who were taking eight, nine, ten minutes a phone call. I'd like to try to go with one of those two-minute offenses today and try to get as many new voices as we can, because I know there's a ton of Giants fans out there who listen to the show who probably never call us. Well, this mm-hmm. is a good time to do it, because we're not going to clog up your ears with important news that has to be given. We're going to give you a chance to tell us how you feel about this team going forward, especially going into the rookie minicamp. Briefly, before we get to our first call... I do want to remind folks, we do know that on week five, the Giants are playing the Green Bay Packers in London. That much we know for sure. We also have seen the rumors, and totally unconfirmed, of course, the rumors on the Minnesota Vikings fan websites that the Vikings will be hosting week one against the Giants on September 11th. We don't know anything about that. The league has not provided us any information regarding that game or anything else for that matter. But I do know that the Vikings websites, uh, the uh, the fan websites, the unofficial websites, are flooded with this rumor that it'll be the Giants at the Vikings on September 11th. Um, you know, for my purposes, Jeff, that's an indoor stadium anyway. I don't necessarily know that it matters a whole lot when you go to play Minnesota in their dome. Yeah, it does. It does? <laughs> Heck yeah. I, I said this on the program the other day because we knew that the schedule was coming out. I mean, this is me now, okay? I, the first thing I looked at was November, December. Where are we going? Uh, I would have hated this to go to, the, to go to the new stadium there in Minnesota in September. I mean, I want to go there in December when it is freezing cold here. Or, you know what I'm saying? So I want to go on the road and go where it's warm. But, hey, listen, I, it's fine. But, I mean, it would have mattered to me. It doesn't matter to anybody else. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm talking about from a player's perspective. Well, the player's perspective right? it when doesn't you, matter. When you, when you were playing, you yeah. always looked at the indoor games as as the perfect scenario because you had great conditions, yeah. and it didn't matter what part of the schedule that game came upon. Well, I wanted the indoor games later in the season, you know, because that means there's one last game at home. If we're going to go on the road, anyways, I would want to go on the road where there's going to be indoor stadiums in November and December. That's just it. You know, so that's but, true. I I I have mistaken with my comments. You're absolutely like right. Like for instance, like if 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 um if this I, game I guess my point was in is Chicago. If, I guess my point is if you're in Minnesota, you're inside. It doesn't yeah. matter when you're in Chicago. Yeah. But the flip side to that is, if you're in Minnesota in December, that's one less chance you'll have to play outside in that's December. Right. That's right. It could be a Chicago in December. Then I'd be like, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. You know, why, if we're going to play this division, why couldn't I play Chicago in the beginning of the season and play Minnesota in December? That's what I would have liked. Okay. <laughs> but who cares? Nobody cares what I think. Nobody, but these guys, you know, they'll get the schedule. They're fine with it. It doesn't matter. You got to show up and play wherever they, wherever the game is at. That's a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday. You go. Well, Jeff, there's some Saturday games this year, too. So. I, I promise the fans that this is their show. Let's go. And wouldn't you know it, the entire phone bank is lit up like fireworks. Well, let's so get it. We, are you are you ready? We're going to go no huddle here. 
Ding, 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 ding. All right, Pearson, let's do we it. Need that bell, Jason Pearson. from New Haven is online too. You're first up on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. All right, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hi, Jason. And I'll try to I'll try to be quick, uh, fellas. Um, okay. The first thing is the Bradbury uh, situation. Yeah. Um, if I could play devil's advocate, I think we all, you know, I think it's safe to say we probably all want Bradbury back. But um, is it me or did I see like a different um, year with him last year? And I know we didn't have a strong pass rush, and I get both pass rush and coverage both go hand in hand. But um, um, he, he um, I believe he was like five star. He was one of five star um, corners that allowed more receptions. Um, I believe he allowed uh, Bradbury allowed sixty, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong with the numbers. Um, I get a lot of fans want to keep him. I do, um, but if he's not a fit, then he's just not a fit. And my two questions are: Well, he's a fit, Jason. He's definitely a fit. There's no question he's he, not that he's not a he is a fit in this def, in this type of defense. Absolutely. Well, um, I don't know because, like I said last year. Um, he seems like he struggled a lot in man-to-man. That was just from my eyes. But I'll take it off the air. The two questions I had was, the longer this kind of goes on, do you foresee us um, giving him a new contract to keep him on the team? And secondly, uh, as far as Thibodeau's concerned, um, do you guys see a little O.C. in him? Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was always a big human your fan. I think outside of LT, and I know a lot of people probably would kill me for saying this, I think he's the best pure pass rusher we've had. As far as best pure pass rusher outside of LT, I would take him over Strahan. And I know that sounds blasphemous, but just off the snap, I thought he was awesome. So do you see Jason. Harrison and what do you think is going to happen with Bradbury? And I'll take it off the air so you get other callers in. So, Jason, real Thank quickly, go, go, to, uh, go to the New York Post. And there was an article written by Paul Schwartz um, on May 8th. Giants great O.C. Umanora sees himself in rookie Kayvon Thibodeau. Go read that article. It's pretty interesting. So that'll answer your question right there. We, we lost him. He's already gone. Okay, okay Jason. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's take both of these things separately. First of all, in terms of the Bradbury thing, you know, I understand that he had a down year last season. I think we would all agree. Right, Jeff? Yeah, 100%. He, uh, yeah, exactly. But he, you know, He had a down year. Mm-hmm. Okay, but having said that, he is still a top-flight corner in this league. And I, I also appreciate the fact that the Giants are in significant cap difficulty and they've got to do something about it. And whether or not it's restructure and extend or trade or cut, whatever it turns out to be, it's going to be a painful situation because you're dealing with a player who, even last year, now Stats, Stats Inc., is crediting him, or I guess not crediting him, for allowing seven touchdown passes last year. I believe I had him down for six on my on my unofficial tally. And Statsink is also saying he gave up a 58% completion mark on his targets and had 17 passes defensed. All right, those, those are some of the numbers. Now, the passes defensed would have put him tied for third in the National Football League. I'm sorry, tied for fourth in the National Football League with the with the 17 passes knocked down. Look, here's the bottom line. Wink Martindale wants man-to-man corners, and I know there's some fans out there who are like, well, he's more of a zone man-to-man. He's not a, he's not a press man-to-man. I get all of those comments. 
we haven't talked to Wink Martindale yet since he got this job. Jeff hasn't. I haven't. Mm-hmm. At least nothing more than a cursory, hello, good morning, how you doing, coach? Mm-hmm. When we hear more from Wink Martindale and we know exactly what he wants to do, we'll have a better idea of either A, how Bradbury might have fit, if he's going to be here, or B, if he's not going to be here, why he wouldn't have fit and why potentially they're going to have to replace him with player X. I would only say this, and Jeff, help me out here if you disagree. I've been thinking all along that if Bradbury was forced to exit, I've got a lot of confidence in Aaron Robinson. I've said this for months, and I've tried to tell people for months as they said, oh, Bradbury's going to be gone. What are the Giants going to do? I've been saying all along, I give Aaron Robinson that first shot. It looks like at this point they don't have a choice. He's probably going to have to get it unless you think where Darius Williams is going to beat him out. Hmm. And there will be another veteran who comes in here, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I was just going to say. And by the way, I'm a big, I'm a big Trufant fan. Hmm. Trufant would be the guy who I would bring in. He's in his early to mid-30s, a lot of experience, started in this league, has had some quality snaps, uh, not making a ton of money. I think that Trufant would be a very likely target for me if I had to go get a veteran to at least provide insurance plus if necessary. Yeah, back on Robinson, uh, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year, but I just feel like he's a guy with the way that this defense is going to play this year and this whole team. I mean, in all reality, there's not a lot of people that are picking the Giants to win the Super Bowl. There's going to be a lot of growth come with this team. And, you know, I feel like he has a future. I really do. I, I like the way he plays. Um, and if you did lose Bradbury and you had to put him out there and you're going to have some struggles. But, you know, as we talk about this all the time, Paul, you know, experience, there's no substitute for it. So, I mean, you got to get the kid in there and play. And then, but I also agree with you. They will. I'm pretty sure they're going to bring a free agent in here if this happens. You got to have a, you got to have a veteran. You just can't have, you know, you got a Dory Jackson who's a veteran, but right. where are your other guys? You know, there's still a lot of youth to that. So we'll see what happens. And I, it is kind of intriguing that the the further we go into this, and this was Jason's uh, question to us, is that with with Bradbury, the longer we go, you kind of wonder, and we don't know anything. Everybody, we, Paul and I know nothing. We're just kind of speculating a little bit. I don't even want to say speculating, but as you kind of think about this, you're hoping that maybe they are trying to work something out, you know? Or because the trade market, listen, if this was me, I wouldn't be very happy at this because if, you're, if they were going to release me and there was, we were not going to do anything, I wish they would have done it before free agency, you know? Because now money's drying up. Uh, these teams have done their drafts. Um, so the, my market is a little bit smaller, right, Paul? I mean, sure. they're, they're, so that's that to me is uh, both it's a detriment to the team and to the player because there's really not anybody really out there that has the money or the ability to, to well, trade are, for there, his services. There actually are a few teams that have a little cap room and would be but they very, may not very, want him. oh, they'll be very pleased to get him if he's free, I'm sure. Well, yeah, if he's free. And exactly. we and we and we know, we know one of the teams that's probably right down the turnpike that would yep. love to get their hands on him. But anyway, and by the way, if you're hearing a little static in your headset, I know Pearson's trying to work on it. We're having some staticky issues just in the background. It's not your iPad. It's not your phone. It's Jeff, not your it, computer. It might be your mic if you want to just try wiggling the wires a little. Is or, it me? I don't know. I think it is. Hold on a second. Oh, it sounds better now. Hold on. Let me just. How's that? 
Is that any better? Yeah, that's better. I think it is. No, you know what the static was? My cell phone was next to the Comrex. That happens. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what a Comrex is, that is the portable machine that we can set up off-site that allows us to participate in the program. <laughs> it's a very sophisticated electronic device, and anything can kind of set it awry. And so Mr. Fiegels has uh, now taken care of business. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. And I uh, appreciate that. And in the meantime, uh, before we get to our next phone call, a word about uh, uh, Thibodeau. There is no question, I've said this before on the program for weeks, actually, O.C. Minura had the best get-off at the snap of any pass rusher, uh, defensive line pass rusher that I've ever seen. You know, you know how I feel about LT, and no one will ever, ever, ever match LT as far as I'm concerned. But in terms of defensive linemen, O.C.'s get-off at the snap was cat-like quick. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's, it's almost like inhuman how quick he was to, to get out of his stance and get after that quarterback. I don't think there's any question that Thibodeau has a very similar get-off. That's one of the reasons why I kept insisting the Giants don't trade their pick and they take this guy if they could get him. Because that's that get-off at the snap is so rare and can result in so many big plays. And this is where our caller, I will, I will give you a little leeway, Jason, because Michael Strahan is a bona fide Hall of Famer, and to me, the next best all-around defensive end I ever covered next to Reggie White. Okay, Reggie White's one, Michael Strahan's two. I'm not moving on that. But in terms of O.C., O.C. was more of a big play machine than Michael was by evidence to that one season when he had 10 forced fumbles on strip sacks. O.C. OC made splash plays, more of the ESPN Sports Center highlight plays than maybe Michael did in getting to the quarterback. He was a tremendous athlete. Thibodeau has a lot of that OC in him. Mm-hmm. So maybe he won't get 20-plus sacks like Michael did in a given season. But much like OC, he might get 15 or 16, and maybe eight of them will be forced fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also, that, that get-off is, is Ridiculous. really good. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, you know, the, the tackles are much better these days. But, you know, his bend and his acceleration – if he gets by that tackle and he bends the way he does, that acceleration from point A to B, B mean the quarterback, that's where he's going to get a lot of hits on the quarterback too, Paul, which also in turn is cumulative, right? Yes. So, and then you all of a sudden those strip fumbles or even just, yeah, hits from the back where the ball comes out, that's going to be a great opportunity. Great flexibility and yeah. bendability and speed and, and quickness and athleticism. He's got every. He's got the length. He's got oh everything. God. This is why they had to take him. It made absolutely no sense to me. I, I kept hearing about, oh, attitude, attitude, attitude. Look at the tape. You, you Insanity to pass this guy. <laughs> you know? Hey. Hey, hey, look, here's the bottom line, okay? He's now got to come here and he's got to put up. Because if he doesn't, you know the expectations are going to just swallow him up. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put any more expectations on him because he will need to get stronger. Let's face it. His power at Oregon is not the same power he's going to need to succeed here. He will need to add some power, okay? And he is going to have to uh, obviously be more aware of playing the run here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to want him to get after the passer. Don't get me wrong. But... In this league, 
They're not going to be afraid to run at you if they believe that you're a bit undersized. Mm-hmm. And O.C. had to live with, live with that and deal with that during his career, too. Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast. It really is. Um, but, you know, I think the Giants drafted him to get after the quarterback. Um, that's what they want him to do. That's what he's going to do. And it's going to be fun to watch. It, because, it really will be. Listen, but I do want to see him as a full-time three-down player. I don't want to see him just coming in on third no, down. I think he'll be there. I think he will. And, you know, uh, Ojolari is, is going to benefit from him mm-hmm. being. Um, you know, you got uh, you got these young, young edge rushers on this team um, that can actually come in here. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, we went from talking about how the Giants needed a pass rush to Pretty much they got some guys now. And one other thought, Jeff, and we'll get to the calls in another 30 mm-hmm. seconds, I promise, because I did I did promise you rapid fire, and I've been a little long here. One other thought about Ojolari. Ojolari had a lot of cleanup hustle sacks last season of the eight that he had as a rookie. And I've heard people say, well, he didn't necessarily get those initial penetration sacks. He got some on hustle and cleanups. Well, what do you think is going to happen when teams are worried about Thibodeau on the other side? He's going to get even more hustle and clean up sacks. That is Ojolari. I got no problem with that. He if he winds up with twelve or thirteen hustle and clean up sacks, uh, Jeff, you'll take them, won't you? Heck yeah! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so let let's let's understand exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, Marty and Manahawkin, you are on line three on BBKL. Hello. Hello, Marty. Thanks hey. for calling. Hey, hey guys, how are you? Uh, I had a quick question. Uh, with this mini camp that's coming up for the weekend for the rookies. Now, the guys we drafted, uh, I don't think we've put any of them under contract, and usually if we do, the Giants don't announce it until they're all done anyway. But uh, if they're coming in this weekend, are they going to be, are they even like a special like contract or something to participate in case, uh, you know, something was to happen, or, you know, if they got hurt or anything? And, and I was just tying that into uh, whether or not, uh, that's they're trying to uh, like free up money, so maybe they do want to uh, sign Bradbury, and you know they have to just work out the the kinks. Jeff, I know you know a lot about these waivers, so why don't you address this? Well, I, you know, I I don't know what's changed. I know that in the past, there's a lot of these guys that they're not under contract. Um, you know, they have insurance policies because that's what you know. You go there and you, and it has happened, by the way. I mean, if you read any of the newspapers about uh, Coach Sala and the Jets, uh, they had three three of their high picks not participating in any of the you know the football stuff. They were doing some drills and things because he he lost a a player when he was in San Francisco, a high a high draft pick. I don't know who it was. Of what well, was was it wasn't Bosa, was it? No. Um, but so there's there's a lot of I don't know exactly the specifics of it, Paul um, and Marty. I don't know, but I know that a lot of guys they do come in, and there's there has to be some insurance there because if something happens, you know. But most of the time, these guys are all slotted their contracts. You know what they are, so you hopefully they can get them signed by at least some of them. You know. I mean, look at it this way: the three day rookie mini camp, and Jeff will tell you. There's, they, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they've got to go through, but the actual on-field practices. They're not very extensive, right. and, and, and they're not, like, beating each other up like a real practice. It's more like a walkthrough practice. It's installation. Now, yeah. Are, are you better to have them participate than not? I think every coach would say, I'd rather have them participate. Sure. But if they don't, and they're just doing everything else that they need to do, including getting their playbooks and doing their study, yeah. you're still getting enough that it's not like the end of the world. 
The other part of this is that we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of street-free agents that are going to be in this minicamp this weekend. Those are the ones they're kind of evaluating. They're trying to find a couple back-end roster spots <laughs> yeah, for the, some of these guys. The draft picks, you've already got them. It's yeah. too late now. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. Those are yours. <laughs> so they try to start to evaluate some of these other guys that they just you know, they have little questions about, and they say, hey, listen, you know, come on in our program. We want to kind of get to know you a little bit. We want to watch how you work. We want to wa- watch how you study. What do you like in the weight room? Um, and those kinds of things. And, again, there isn't a lot of guys that are from the minicamp roster, street free agents, that are actually going to be invited to training camp, but there are there's sometimes a few of them, and that's it's an opportunity for those guys to to make a stand and go out there and do what they can to try to get signed for the for the for the future going forward. Thanks very much, Marty. Appreciate yeah, Marty, the call. Thank you. We okay, go to, we go to line uh, two. Jerome in Charlotte is next right. on the show. Hello. Hi guys. Um, I just have a couple of questions. I wanna. Um, the second round pick Robinson, I believe. Uh, do, do y'all believe he can be the twenty-two version of Dave Meggett? And um, mm. also uh, the compensation picks for next next season. Um, how many you think we'll be able to get, if any? Well, probably two, right, Paul? I mean, you're not going to get because uh, you lost. Uh, who were the guys you lost? Hernandez. Right. Well, the people who do these estimates have estimated that uh, because of the Ingram signing, we could yeah. potentially get a fifth round compensatory. And then with the other transactions that were made, there could possibly be an additional seventh. Okay. That's what I have seen. You could yeah. be looking at a fifth and a seventh, potentially. But, be- but because they signed uh, Glowinski and they signed one other player, free agent, who was it? Um there was one other well, guy. Well, you got to understand, Jeff, the, the only guys who participate in the formula are guys who were signed between certain dates and guys who had contracts run out. If a guy was cut because of a salary cap and you sign doesn't him, matter. he doesn't count as part of the formula. Yeah. So it gets really sticky. Bottom line is the estimate right now is that the Giants will get a five and a seven next yeah. spring. That's really all you need to know. Now, in terms of uh, uh, Megat. The interesting part, let me let me mention something to you about uh, Wandale Robinson. Have you got a chance to look at any of his stuff? Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's quite the player. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot. He got you know he's got some he's got some work to do. Um, you know, a little better. I like to see a little better route running out of him, but I think that's just the nature of the way he plays. Is that he just wants to get the ball in his hands, and then just you know his agility and his athleticism is going to take over. That's what you're going to see happen. But yeah, he is going to be exciting to watch. And I've said this on this program before. I, I'm excited not only to see him catch the football, but I'm excited to see him return the return the football. I think he'll be one of the guys that will be lining up there, kickoff and punt returns. Yeah, I think that'll be important that the Giants do get something out of him on special teams. When you draft a guy in the second round, you want as much value as mm-hmm. you can. Here's what I will tell you. We had a conversation on this show the other day, Jeff. You weren't on the program. Mm-hmm. And John was talking about him being a deep threat, which he's really not much of a deep threat. I know he came up with some number, I guess PFF had, of number of long throws that went in his direction as targets. But this is a guy who caught 104 passes last year for 1,300 yards, averaged about 12 yards a catch. And as I said to John, I said, you know – I was on that day. Okay, were you on that day? Yeah. All right, so now here's – I did a little research on this, Jeff, because I wanted to make sure that I understood it correctly. And remember, John was saying, like, well, what about all those passes behind the line? That skews 
his average because he gets a lot of what's called running plays on passes that are caught behind the line. Well, he only had seven, quote, rushes last year with Kentucky. So his receiving numbers are the receiving numbers. That's just a fact. He catches a ton of short passes, and they rely on yak yardage. He is not as much of a deep threat. You can look more at Kadarius Toney, who is more of a deep threat than even Wondell Robinson is. So I went back and I checked with Nebraska. Now, he played two years at Nebraska, did Wondell Robinson, before he transferred to Kentucky. And I contacted the people at Nebraska. And I said, okay, he's got 134 credited rushes over two seasons at Nebraska. Could you kindly tell me how many of those were handoffs, tosses, laterals, uh, you know, or how many of them were actually overhand throws that were passes behind the line of scrimmage? <laughs> you following me, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what I got back. The Huskers sports information director said, I can't give you an exact number, but here's his quote. The large majority of those rushes were as a traditional running back. He went on to say that when he came out of high school, they had wanted him to be a wide receiver. But when he was a freshman, they had so many injuries in their backfield that he wound up lining up as a traditional running back during the first two years of his career. Mm. And so, again, I read the quote. The large majority of those rushes were as a traditional running back. So we're not talking about passes behind the line that got credited as rushes. This guy was actually playing halfback. <laughs> okay? okay? Yeah. So, so you know, this, this is a guy who you go, you'll, you'll expect to see, as I call him a G receiver, he's a gadget receiver. You will see him do lots of stuff, including taking handoffs. No question. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 201-939-4513 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. He is at Jay Fiegels. And we should remind folks that Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock into your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925, 888-NYG-1925, or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And you can also experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts during the 2020 season or 2022 season as a Giants suite partner. And again, 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Back to the phones, and they are lighting up. This is great. I love it. Cliff from New York. Hello, Cliff. You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. How you doing, Paul? Thanks Hi. for taking the call. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, I was thinking about the O.C. and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau comparison before I saw that article yesterday, and I, I had looked up O.C. In, in 2011, and I see that he didn't start. That that he he played at 255, just, just like um, Kayvon does, and uh, Justin Tuck started at 265, and and Jason Pierre-Paul started at 275. Yeah, and they were in a four-man front, and and uh, Tuck gets five sacks, OC gets nine, and um, JPP gets 16 and a half. So I'm thinking. So I was also looking up. How about somebody more contemporary? Also, I wanted to put to rest whatever you can provide about 
does it matter what position he's called? It looks like Kayvon is going to be called the DE, which 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 I'm happy about. I think so. Uh, and I know that he can stop the run. And I okay. And I know that he can stop the run. And and so could Osi. And, the and by the way, Cliff, before you go any further, they did use him a lot of times as a stand-up at Oregon. Also, he can play down in the dirt, but he can also play stand-up. He played some left. He played some right. So he was versatile. And that's another thing that you know Wink Martindale's really happy about. So there will be some times where he's going to do some stand-up defensive end work. It might be inside, too. Right. Right. Go ahead. And, um, and, and the thing I remember about Tuck also, when, I remember him coming up the middle all the time. You know, I mean, it didn't matter that he was a defensive end. He was, he was coming straight up the middle. I think those big sacks on Brady in the Super Bowl, uh, I think, were straight up the middle. Well, that NASCAR right, package allowed him to play a lot of defensive tackle in the three-technique formation, which is the penetrator or the pass rusher from the interior. Okay. Well... Meanwhile, I was wondering, you know, gee, I wonder what the Bosa brothers weigh and what the Watt brothers weigh, and I and I and I see that T.J. Watt plays at 252 and is listed as an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I, does, that, does that mean they run at him? And and every time I've seen him play, I think it's been in a three-point stance, from what I remember. Well, here's what and, you have to uh, remember: it's it's it, it's not necessarily about the measurables in a situation like that. It's what kind of power do you have? Because Strahan, the last three years, and you know this, Jeff, the last three years of his career, he lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. He was playing down around 255. Mm-hmm. And because of his incredible power and his technique and leverage, you know, he was able to take on 310-pound tackles and just push him backwards. <laughs> Michael was special, man. Real special. Yeah, when he was pushing back that guy from the Eagles, uh, John Runyon. That that old Runyon, yeah, that was sad. I mean, I almost felt bad for the other team. Not completely, of course. <laughs> but anyway, not sorry, not sorry. <laughs> well, thanks for the call, Cliff. Appreciate it. Well, he he had tremendous leverage. You know, when he lost a little bit of weight, he still had that that you know the, being able to understand. And with all defensive edge rushers, it's all about leverage, getting on those tackles, you know. And if you can get the leverage on those and then you got that rip move, forget about it, you know. And if you have the bend and the speed to get around them, that's even better too. I mean, you just go if you look at some of the tape from Kayvon, I mean, his, his, just his acceleration around the outside of those tackles and getting into the quarterback or even making tackles behind the line of scrimmage is intense. It's so fast. Kind of reminds me of how fast that – that horse came out of nowhere in the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Holy smokes! <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I, I'm a I'm not a huge huge racing fan, but I, I I kind of fell in love with horse racing when we were up in Albany. Okay. Um, because Chris Mara and his family they're yes. in the horses and stuff. So and they have ta- a Derby winner. And they have it. Yeah, that, a couple years ago they told. So he taught me a little bit about how to read the programs and this and that. So when we were in when we were in Albany, Saratoga was going on up there. All these jockeys. We're, we're running at the uh, Saratoga track, so I recognize all the names and just how to read it and stuff. So I, I, well, I used to watch these closed-circuit races at Saratoga in my dorm rooms at, 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 during, during in between practices, and I just fell in love with it and just kind of understanding the horse racing. What is? I was out of my seat screaming at the TV trying to let everybody know what is going on. And everybody's looking at me like, Dad, are you okay? Are you going to have a heart attack here? What is your problem? I'm like, number 21, you don't understand it. He's going to win this race. It's like unbelievable. So, anyway, it was a lot of fun. There's my Kentucky Derby rant for the day. No problem. Did you see it? I watched it. Yeah. 
I watched it, and it would be no surprise to you that I was rooting for Messier. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people were. Absolutely. I mean, come on. But you know, that was, uh, I mean. For, we could for, use Messier right now down two <laughs> games to one to the Penguins. <laughs> yeah, they could. Man, oh, man. So what an right. exciting, what a, what a great day. I mean, I have not been to a Kentucky Derby. I, I'm sure that some of our fans have been. But uh, I just think it's one of those things that you want to go to at least once in the bucket list, you know. All right. Well, back to the phones. 201-939-4513. We go to, is it UC on line three? You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Good afternoon, Paul and Jeff. Hi. So, uh, you know, the draft is over, so I guess all the fun's over, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Not, I'm, I'm kidding. No more no more mock drafts for Jeff, though, right? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, we all got it right, <laughs> though, you know. Thank God the mock drafts are over. Oh, please. Uh, they were fun to look at. I mean, <sighs> you know. They're, they're fun. This year, they were all over the place, man. I'll tell you what, there wasn't any real consistency to any of them other than, you know, I mean, I, the top ten was everyone had right. something different. Right, right. What can we do for it's, you today? Time yeah, I have, a, I have a quick question, but I have a comment before it. Um, so, I'm... Uh-oh. I think we lost him. No, he's there. No, he's back. Hello? He's back. Yeah, you see, how are you? Come on, stay with us I'm now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I was just saying, I'm excited about the guys that Joe and the new regime brought in, and I think it's important as Giants fans to understand that, you know, we're finally starting to get this whole thing right, starting from the front office to the coaches and now the players that we're starting to draft. So I definitely think that there's a lot of optimism for what can be, but as the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day, and I hate to say it because it seems like all we've been is patient, but we must be patient. And, hey, you know, you never know. Maybe a few things go our way and we sniff a wild card game. I mean, crazier things have happened. But regardless, that was my comment. My question for you guys is pertaining to the defense. So we know that James Bradbury can can be on or off this team pretty soon. But regardless, what formations or, you know, even more specifically, what type of which young players do you want to see get some quality reps and this Don Wink Martindale uh, big blue defense. All right, appreciate the phone call. We'll let you hang up and listen in on uh, on Jeff's comments. Mm. Well, I think we kind of mentioned a little, uh, you know, some of them. Um, you know, all the young guys that were there last year that, um, you know, had some playing time. I think that, you know, some of the guys that they signed in free agency across the board, I think these guys are all going to compete to get on the field. Remember this, guys, and I think you'll agree with me, Paul, you know the old that I've been saying, new eyes, new guys, right? I mean, mm-hmm. these, it's it's going to happen. That that it's the transition is real, and I think that from you know the point this going forward, you're going to get a lot of young guys with a lot of opportunities to play. Um, you know, I think at every position when you go through on offense and defense, there's some there's some guys in there that you have a chance to to they're going to make the team and they're going to get some quality playing time. Lance and I on Friday went over. Uh, the draft picks, and we were kind of going through going through the same process. Like, which of the draft picks do we feel like is going to get a lot of playing time? Um, and even down to the the last guy, we figured that there might there would be a lot of these guys that are going to maybe not compete. You know, the, obviously the first and second rounders, we know that. But where are the other guys from the third down to the sixth round? How are they going to get in the in 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 games? And I think it's going to be situational, where at least on defense. That the way that Wink plays his defense and the way he's still multiple on different types, a lot of these guys are going to get chances. 
Well, Don't you as, think? Uh, no doubt. And aside from the rookies, all right, I'm going to put the rookie class aside because we'd all like to see some production out of at least four or five of these rookies right away. I, I was always saying that during the offseason. The Giants need production out of a handful of these rookies, even if it's strictly as rotational players. Obviously, Neal's going to be a starter. Uh, Thibodeau's going to be a starter. After that, you're probably looking at rotational guys. But you do need at least two or three of those guys to give you some significant snaps. But here's what I will say. Putting the class aside, Jeff, there are a few guys who I think are a little bit under the radar here who who I'm very intrigued by. I'll give you an example. All right. You're going to have to get some relief snaps on the defensive front. And what do you think about Raymond Johnson out of Georgia Southern, the rookie last year, who didn't get to play a whole lot, but has the ability to play defensive end and also as a three-technique defensive tackle. I think he's very curious to me because of his versatility. Again, we know that Wink likes to move guys around. Mm-hmm. I think he will probably be very intrigued by Johnson. I think he's going to be very intrigued by Ellison Smith, mm-hmm. who has terrific length, and we really didn't get to see much of him yeah, as a rookie because of being injured. And I'm incredibly intrigued by what he does with Ellison Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I'm anxious to see, can he get even more out of Quincy Roche? Sure. Who showed some flashes last year as a potential pass rusher. So, you know, and and we don't even need to go to Radarius Williams or Aaron Robinson. We already talked about them earlier mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. So the Giants have a number of young players who, even though they're not part of this rookie class, could very much, under Wink Martindale, depending upon what he wants to do with them, plus their learning and their experience from being here last year, these guys may suddenly inject themselves more into the rotation than anybody thinks. Well, I mean, if you look at the schemes, they might be a better fit in this scheme than they were in the other one. So, you know, and, and vice versa. There might be some guys that just don't, you know, just don't fit that that type of scheme with, with Martindale. Um you know, Darren Beavers is another guy. I know he's a late round draft pick. Well, he, he's a he's a draft pick, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, he's a guy that I I feel like he's very versatile. He played a lot of inside. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of outside. Mm-hmm. He played edge. This is a guy that can come in and wink system and be versatile in his type of program. So, I, I, it's exciting to see. I think it's going to be really exciting for us to watch when training camp starts to see where Wink puts all these guys and how they're going to kind of segue into where they're going to show up on Sundays. And um, again. If you are a, and this is how I see it from a player's perspective, whenever there was a change in the coaching staff, you had to be on your best behavior. You had to make sure that you were you were on time to everything. You did everything that you were supposed to, and you went out there and competed because, like I said, those guys are looking to turn over the roster, and you're going to have to give them a really good reason for you to stick on this roster, right? Because you are not you're a holdover. And that's not a bad thing, but it kind of is a bad thing, you know. They want new people. They want, but so you got to show them. And regardless, there's going to be a lot of holdover, but they're, because they're just simply you got a lot of good players on the Giants in the last couple of years that have been drafted. So and 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 Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they know a lot of these guys that are on the roster because they studied them a few years ago when they were drafting them. You know, they didn't draft these guys. Obviously, they went to when he was with Buffalo. They they know these guys who they are, Paul. So, but. Don't get me wrong. There, is, there will be some guys that stay here, but there's going to be a lot of guys that go and a lot of new faces. And almost more important than the snaps that you show during the spring and summer, you darn it better be available. I'm telling well, you right now, that's the one thing well, that will get you cut in a hundred, heartbeat. Hundred, because you know, without a, a change in the regime, 
if you're not healthy and on the field, that's the quickest way out, right? And it's just the nature of the beast. Guys get hurt, unfortunately, and, and you know, things happen. But especially now, as you say this, Paul, that with the new eyes and the new guys, that's the last thing you want to do. You can't make the club in the tub, right? That's what we always Cannot. say. And Cannot. so you you got to be available. So got to be available. Guys like O'Shane Zimenez and Cam Brown. Holy smokes. You know, I mean, guys, there are so many people in that linebacker room now. Uh, you better step up and you better be available because if you're not, chances are you're not going to be around too long. And it's just yeah. very simple because they have too many numbers in that linebacker room for me to believe they're going to keep everybody. So, and remember, this is, you know, injuries are part of the game. And, you know, if you're, if you're so lucky that you don't get a major injury – knock on wood to all those guys, but, you know, the little ones that creep up, this is where your toughness comes in, and you, this is also where you have to yep. re- realize that, hey, okay, I got a little hamstring bite, but I don't, ha- I don't have the luxury of sitting on the sidelines right now. I got to get back on that field, or I'm not going to get back on the field ever. Well, you know what he talks about all the time, right, this coach? Smart, tough, and dependable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you better show all three of those traits real quick if you want to be on this team. Yep. Let's go back to the phones. I believe we have Keith from Cranford. You're next on the show. Hello. Hello. Um, I just thought I'd tell you, I, I, I listen to you guys a lot. I haven't called you in a while. but uh, Welcome. Uh, I, I really do appreciate your show. Um, Thank you. thing I want to say is that I, I really do feel good about the uh, draft that they did this year. I think it's a step in the right direction. But I also admit that I have more questions than answers when it comes to the overall, because so many people left and so many new people came in, and what can the coaching staff do? And, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I, even for, if I was to give you an over-under type thing, I think maybe if they win eight games, that'd be good. The under would be like six. But uh, I, I, I'm hoping for better, but no, I'm not. I've I've hoped for better the last few years. You know, it's been it's been hard. You know, and and um, but I I do like the speed, the quickness that they're getting on from both offensive and defense. Mm-hmm. And but can they make it all work together? Can they coach it? And can the guys do what they need to do? And uh, I just no, uh, I'm just saying how I feel, and I I haven't called very much because I don't I just don't know what to feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got you. I, I just appreciate having you, you know, your talk and your your your, your insight into different things because I know you guys know a lot more than I do, even especially with the draft and everything else. And I met that this draft was like I was a hodgepodge. You didn't know what we were getting. Well, we appreciate your interest and thanks for sticking with us. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. And and to be honest, Jeff, I think a lot of us are in show me phase right now. Because there's a lot of new faces here. Somebody posted on the internet the other day, and I did not count it up. So I'm going to confess I have not confirmed the number. But they said to me, or or, or the posting was, that 29 players who were on the team at the end of last year are gone. Either released, still out there as free agents, or signed up with other teams. 29. Hmm. And Hmm. you know what? Hmm. That number is going to grow by the time we get to opening day. Well, I still, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> Already. It is. I mean, you know, thinking about, 
Well, coming off off of the season, now is that twenty nine off the active roster? Or is that twenty nine for that can't be off the active roster? Uh, you know what? I I need to do my own specific or is it just count. The whole practice I simply squad saw thing, a post you know. that said twenty nine guys are gone from last year's team. Uh, I, I think, will do my own specific count and let you in on on, sure, on those numbers. Sure, yeah, that's uh, that seems like a lot, but it doesn't seem unrealistic to me when the, when what we're talking about as far as changeover, right? I well, mean, that's, they re signed very few guys. Yeah, if you looked at the list of free agents. Uh, almost all of the free agents that are coming in are new. Very few were re-signed. So uh, it won't surprise me. I'm, I'm going to do the check on those numbers. Next time we're on, Jeff, we'll talk about it a little okay. bit more. We go to line three. Uh, Len from Maryland is on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hi, Len. Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Good. Len. Hey, hey, a couple of quick hits for you. I know you're kind of in a hurry. But, hey, why not the Giants in the Super Bowl? If that horse can win the Derby, <laughs> exactly. <one>. Yep. <laughs> what what does Vegas ball? have the line on the Giants now? Are the Giants eighty to one? <laughs> Probably higher than that. Yeah, ball, I but, think they are. Hey, okay. why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Just roll the ball out on the field. Let's see what happens. Hey, secondly, <laughs> and Paulie, maybe you talked about this. Maybe you talked about this last week. But one of, one of the all-time great Giants Eric players, Barnes. Eric Barnes. Yeah. You have to be of a certain. Paul, you'd have to be of a certain age to remember sure. actually seeing Eric Barnes play back mm-hmm. 61, 62, 63. I guess he was with us in 64. In fact, he was with Cleveland after he left us longer than he was with us. So he hung around in, in, the, in the pros for quite a while. But that was a wonderful period of time for Giants football. I know most of the listeners have probably heard about it or read about it, but it was just, just a wonderful time. Barnes, um, three uh, Pro Bowl years with us, one All-Pro year with us. And, of course, while we didn't win championships, we were there in the championship game for three times, you know, three times in a row, as you know, Paul, and Jeff, too. I know you know Giants history, Paul. Uh, Jeff, I'm sorry. Not as much um, as Paul, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But he was a he was a lanky, wonderful player. He even scored some, you know, caught some passes on some, some mm-hmm. you talk about gadget plays. Talk about gadget plays. Eric Barnes, number forty-nine, uh, one of the maybe five best defensive, uh, you know, cornerbacks we've we've had in the history of the team. And um, you know, I just just wanted a sorry to hear, rest in peace. Uh, but some great remembrances during a just just a I'm gl- I'm glad you brought it up, Land. I really am because you know those those tittle years when the Giants went to those oh. three straight NFL championship wow. games in '61, '62, '63. We're talking yeah. about some absolutely great Giants legends, and it breaks my oh, heart. It breaks my goodness. heart that none of that none of I those know. guys were able to get a championship. I mean, you go yeah. to the title game three years in a row, oh, and 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 you know it didn't work out. And 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 and, yeah. and really, when you get down to it, more than anything, it was that game in Chicago, the the oh. free, the freeze ball where they went after yeah. Y.A. Tittle's knee. Yeah, and injured yeah. him in the game, and of course Schaffner drops a touchdown pass in the back of the oh. end zone. That's the oh one that God. they should have had of the three. I that's know, the one I they know. should have had. I, I know, Paul. You know an interesting thing, and I know I'm biased, and you, you you will quickly recognize it when I say this. But there were three f- freeze games, and geez, I, I I just think if it hadn't boy that first one in '61 in Green Bay, I remember Robustelli saying when he got off the plane. He yeah. wanted to get back on again. It was so cold. <laughs> yes. And, of course, that one in Chicago, the one in Chicago was brutal as well. And, Paulie, I sat through the 62 game 
and I can tell you, against the Packers yep. at the old Yankee Stadium, and I can tell you that's the coldest I have ever been at a football game. <laughs> was it, it was really? Just, just brutal. But, hey, thank you, Eric Barnes, and rest in peace. Hey, I'm one glad more, you brought that up, Lance. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. you were, yeah. Uh, one, one more quick hit. Um, I don't know. Here I go again, guys, but I'll say it. What What makes you think Wondell Robinson can return kicks? I, Paul, you look at his record in college, he, I don't think he returned a kickoff and maybe a couple of punts. I, I don't know. It's just, you know, we keep saying that these guys can play special teams, these guys can return kicks. I mean, I, What makes I you think know. he can't? It's, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> Well, in college, well, okay. in the three years that okay. he played, well, why didn't the point would be the point would be Jeff? Why didn't they do it in college? Well, because he was one of their better players. They right. didn't want to get him hurt. In, in, in three well, years hey. at the college level, he had eleven total kickoff returns and eight total or seven total uh, punt returns. And obviously, with his size, which we all know about, Len. Okay, there's no de- yeah. denying yeah. his yeah. size, yeah. Right. as Jeff said. Right. Did you really want to put him back there that much, knowing he was going to be the key part of your offense? We, we told you that Nebraska had injured running backs, so they were using yep. him as a tailback. Why would they put him on kick returns and then get their whole playbook screwed up if he gets injured? All right. You know? Okay. Hey, I hope you – hey, listen, I think the star is a kick returner. I really do. Hey, one more, Paul, that, that the defensive end that you talked about, Raymond Johnson. Yes. He, he's, he, he's a pretty good player. But I think it's the wrong defense. He's just—I don't think he's big enough in a three-four, three-four defense to play defensive end. But you know what? If he got on a four-three team, Paul, I think he could do some damage. I he's agree not with a you. Bad fo- I, he's not a bad football player. I'd rather have him as a four-three defensive end as well. Yes. But but I'm yes. curious. I'm curious if he could perhaps take on some of that Justin Tuck role as a yes. three-technique pass rusher from the inside DT spot. Sure. When it, I mean, think about this for a second, right? The new NASCAR package, if you will. Think, think yeah. about this, right? You put Leonard Williams, Raymond Johnson, with Thibodeau, and then yeah. I don't know. You, maybe you maybe you want to put Dexter Lawrence as your other guy. Put those as your four down linemen. I don't know. Yeah, that could be interesting. Could be interesting. You know, and you know, and the other guy, the other guy who fits into that same kind of scheme, Paul. I think we're going to see Ellison Smith inside rushing the passer more than we're going to see him from a linebacker position. And I think he can do some damage as well. He certainly has a lot of length, I'll tell you that. Got to get a little thanks, bigger. Thanks, Len. Hey, I thanks think... for taking my call. You're Talk welcome, it. I think he needs to get a little bigger if he's going to do do that. Yeah, but... he, he, I, don't, I don't see him going inside either, but I'm, I'm very curious with his skill set. It's a very unique skill set with his length. Mm-hmm. Um I'd like to see what they're going to do with him. 201-939-4513. we got about five minutes plus left on the program. Uh, see if you can dial in. Rich from Queens, you're next on the show. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Good. Good, good. So uh, I wanted to talk about the offensive line. Um, obviously, Neil being drafted, plug and play, right tackle. Uh, I think we know where the center and right guard is going to go with the free agent signings. I'm just mm-hmm. curious about left guard. Uh Josh drafted in the third round. Uh, where's Shane at? You know, is he healthy? Is that the open competition? And fully curious, cleared. I think that might be. Lemieux might is fully be cleared. He, he participated in all of the voluntary minicamp a few weeks ago, so he is uh, he is en route to a very serious competition between him, uh, Joshua Azudu, who of course was taken in the third round, and Max Garcia, mm-hmm. who comes over. 
uh, from the Cardinals. And remember, throughout his handful of years in the NFL, he has actually been a starter for three of those seasons. So you've got a good competition right there. Yeah, so follow up to that, because I think that is the one position where we're curious about is they preach, you know, competition, you know, versatility, being able to play multiple positions. But being that such a large part of the line is new, do you think it's important to get them maybe more reps together? And might you see the line playing a little bit deeper into the second quarter, even earlier in preseason with a shorter preseason, things like that? Because continuity is going to have to be built. Uh, I think the line looks better than it has in years, but they're all new to each other, even if they, we've brought in some, some good people now. Rich, appreciate the phone call. We'll get your answer, uh, get our answer off the air. Jeff, I'm with him. Yeah, me too. You know how I felt. I think that guys aren't playing enough during the preseason, especially these offensive linemen, mm-hmm. because it is new. I'd like to see them try to identify as quickly as they possibly can who their starting five is going to be, and then make sure those guys get enough preseason reps. Yeah, and I, I don't know, you know, with the schedule coming out, we're going to see that maybe there may be one or two scrimmages with teams. You know, I think that seems to be the trend nowadays. And I think those practices are just as important, if not more important, than some of those games. And so that's from an evaluation standpoint, that is. Because you get a lot more reps in those in those scrimmages, practices. Um, so I think that'll be a big – hopefully they do it. And, um, you know, in the past we haven't ever – been, I haven't been able to go and see them, but uh, you know maybe they have one here. Who knows? That would be great. Yeah, it would definitely help for the evaluation process. But once you get that evaluation process out of the way, you, you got to get you got to get game snaps for these yeah. guys. Yeah, it's huge. I, I would, I would, I would suspect that going into the last maybe. Well, remember, there's only three preseason games now, so you got to have some continuity. So maybe coming out of that first game of the re- of the preseason. The Giants should have somewhat of an idea after all the practices, the training camp, one preseason game, the mini camps, the OTAs, all that stuff, that you kind of have an idea who's going to be that guy at left tackle. And, you know, of course, remember this, uh, Feliciano is going to start at the center position. But, you know, he's a, he's he, that's a competition too, you know. He's he's never played that position before so consistently. You know, he's a guard, and he, but he says it's his best position. Well, so. even Garcia is a center as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, he's that got whole, experience there. That whole area, <laughs> center to left, left yeah. to center, I feel is like the biggest competition in camp and where we're going to find out who those guys land, and I think it'll be interesting to watch. I can't wait to see it. All right, real quick, Jeff, I want to get one more caller in. Yeah, Don from Texas is on right, line two. We got about a minute and a half, Don, so we'll let it go. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Sure. Just wanted a quick question. I, you are the exact two I wanted to ask this question to, so I'm Perfect. glad to get you on. So the actual stadium field, the Giants have the grass and the turf is what I'm referring to, to MetLife. We have been the most injury-plagued team. Now, other teams have complained about the, the field itself, that it's a horrible field, and so on and so on. I know the league has evaluated the field and ruled it to be okay. Yep. Jeff, as a punter, mm-hmm. over the years watching the evolution of that field, are you seeing anything there that you per se don't like? And PDOT, you studying all the teams over the years, are you seeing anything to the field that has any bearing of truth to that? Thanks, guys. Well, Thanks so welcome. much for the call. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, I don't. I, I, I actually, you know, yeah, when I was playing in Arizona, I preferred playing on grass, but that was good grass. I remember we played on grass in the in in the Giant Stadium when I was with 
the Seahawks when they hit when they came. It might have been Arizona or one of the two. That was horrible grass. You know, I mean, grass is great, but I don't see anything in this in this stadium that the Giants are in MetLife now that this gives anybody a problem at all. I just I, sometimes it's just a matter of changing the right having the right shoes on. You know, some guys play with the turf shoes. Some guys actually play with cleats on that stuff. So I didn't need. I I played with turf shoes when I was playing on the turf. So. Um, and I think that, you know, over time it's probably gotten a little bit better. But they do test it, and obviously if there was a problem, they'd fix it. I know the last time that the, the turf at the new building, uh, MetLife Stadium, was replaced, and there were complaints. Remember the mm-hmm. 49ers, after a game with the Jets and the Giants both, they went to the league, and they, they were very, very upset because there were injuries. And the NFL sent some specs uh, uh, mm-hmm. guys to spec the field, mm-hmm. and it came out with the highest grade you can get. Yeah. For an artificial field, yeah. So you know, and that's all I can go by. If, sure. if the NFL, that's folks, all the NFL is going to go by. If the NFL folks came over and they gave it a run through and gave it a test and gave it a high, the highest grade you could get, then how am I going to sit here and tell you that the field is to blame for some of this? I can't do it. No question. Nope, you can't. And uh, you know, that's just uh, it's just injuries happen, guys. It's just a freak of nature. Things happen and. Whether it's on a turf field, a grass field, on at Buffalo or in New Orleans, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just it's just a freak thing, and it happens. Well, the final thing I will say, Jeff, and it's great to talk to you again. I would only say this, folks out there, as far as the Giants are concerned, yes, they need these young players and these rookies to give them something right away. But the other thing is, those veterans need to stay on the field. They need to stay healthy. The Giants cannot be bitten by the injury bug again this year, or it's going to be another frustrating season. Sure. So just keep your rabbit's foot in your back pocket and hope uh, that this this thing. Uh, goes well for for Big Blue. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants podcast platforms everywhere. Giants.com slash podcasts. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Dottino. We're back tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time with another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So long, everybody.